FIFA World Cup song in the background and after a round of 16 which featured brilliance, drama, tension, brain explosions and the odd skied penalty under pressure, our quarter-finalists for the FIFA Women's World Cup are set and the dream lives on for eight nations. France had no trouble with Morocco last night, sending them home 4-0 while Colombia eventually overcame a gutsy Jamaica to book their quarter-final against England, who some might say... Some might say, uh, just a little lucky to be down under. We are lucky to have Chris Wise still down under as he prepares to call uh, his last game of uh, the World Cup out of Wellington, which will be uh, an absolute doozy between Spain and the Netherlands that on Friday afternoon at uh, 1 o'clock. Morning, Chris. Uh, Great to have you back on the show. Uh, uh, A lot has happened since uh, we last spoke, Um, but we're down to the last eight, and uh, yes, you've got a big one coming up on Friday. Yeah, morning, Smithy. Lovely to talk to you. Thanks for having us back on again. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting, that game on, on Friday, um, because, because really you're looking at two teams now, considering the way that the tournament has played out, and obviously we've seen some very big teams go out, the likes, obviously, of the United States and, and Germany um, and one or two others, Brazil as well. I think, and they won't be the only ones, but I think Spain and the Netherlands will suddenly be looking at this competition and thinking... We, we could be finalists here and, and who knows, maybe maybe we could go all the way and, and, and lift it. So so that particular match um, between Spain and Netherlands will be really intriguing. I, I think the Netherlands will, having seen them a, a few times now, and actually I was just out in Sydney a couple of days ago to watch their game against South Africa, knowing that whoever won that game would be coming to Wellington. Um, and, and I think having seen them there and seen them here when they played the United States as well in New Zealand, I think that they will be quite happy to to be quite patient and and will be happy not to have the ball. And that actually will be a complete juxtaposition to how Spain will want to approach the game because they are so possession based. So what what will be interesting was this 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 start these two two styles where you'll see a Spanish team who will want to see a lot of the ball and will want to play as much as possible through the lines, try and break Netherlands down, and Netherlands meanwhile will try and do things on the counter attack. So that is how I imagine that game will will play out on Friday. Uh, Chris, I was going to ask you uh, a question that um, we've had a couple of texts in and, and it's been puzzling me a wee bit as well and I wonder if it's always been the case. Yellow cards that you accumulate during a group phase, have they always carried on to playoff stage or is there, was there a time when they were wiped and you start fresh at playoffs? Because I asked you that question thinking and it's coming up again uh, for the Netherlands with uh, their very inspirational midfielder Daniel Fantatonk uh, will not be playing against Spain because of cumulative yellow cards. So what, what's your feeling on that? Yeah, I mean it's it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because you've got um, you've got you've got this situation now where where Daniela van der Donk has has been booked in in the group stage, and obviously now having been booked again in that round of sixteen game against South Africa, she's now not going to play um, in the quarter final. And actually, you saw in the post match uh, scene, she was really really upset. She was in tears on the pitch, knowing that she wasn't going to be able to to play her part in this game. It's a tricky one though, because where do you draw the line on this? I mean, there was there was a point once upon a time where you could you could get booked in in the group stage and and it wouldn't necessarily ca- carry on. But um, th- th- there has to be a, there has to be a point somewhere where they because you can otherwise you move into the realms of there potentially being tactical yellow cards happening um, mm. in in certain situations in games that obviously needs to be eradicated. But I can also see the cruel the cruel side of it, and obviously for Vanderdonk, she's now 
very much feeling that because she's not going to be able to be involved in this game. Yeah, I do, and I, I you know, I see it in cricket as well, and uh, I just like the quality. I, I like the quality of, um, you know, of the tournament not to be spoilt by, you know, sometimes some of these yellow cards are a little bit marginal as well. But how, how uh, it is what it is at this point. Uh, speaking of yellow cards, how about a red card for Lauren James? What were you, what were you thinking at that point? Well, I mean, from from Lauren's perspective, um, she's obviously very young. And um, with youth comes inexperience and sometimes moments of rashness. And quite clearly it was there for us all to see that that very much falls into that category. It was, it was silly. Um, it was a really silly thing to do. And it was a naive thing to do. And at a very, very difficult point in the game for England, because even up to that point where it was 11 against 11, they were struggling. And it and mm. and we could all see that that they were struggling. Um, so that for me uh, struck as frustration from Lauren James. Now I know that she and um, the the football association in England have have released a, a statement in the last twenty four hours apologising for um, her actions. And obviously the danger for for Lauren James now is that she will have this automatic ban anyway because she has been sent off. But there is the possibility that. That, that, that she may face a further ban and and it could mean that she doesn't play any part in this tournament now for England, which aside from being obviously a huge blow for her because to miss out on potentially England having a fantastic final few games here and potentially winning this World Cup and they are now many people's favourites, for her not to play a part in that is absolutely devastating. But for England to be without her as well, because she has been terrific in this tournament. She's been one of their standout players and, and has really emerged over these last couple of weeks as someone who can take a game and, and, and run it and be that creative force. So if England are without her for the rest of the tournament, that's a massive blow for them. But I'm sure, I'm sure for Lauren James that she is bitterly regretting her actions. But sometimes with, with you being a youthful person, you make decisions now that perhaps five, six years later, you, you wouldn't do something like that. Yeah, uh, I, I really feel for the for the, the girl. And as soon as you, she saw she was going to get red, uh, she just marched off down the tunnel. And, uh, you know, that must have been a, a hellish last 40-odd minutes for her sitting, waiting, uh, hoping that uh, she hadn't caused England to go home. And great relief for her. You can't imagine what was going through her young mind at that point. Uh, right, let's, uh, Chris, uh, focus on this very big clash that you've got. At one, one o'clock, an interesting uh, time slot, um, because I don't think uh, they w- thought it would be Spain against the Netherlands. Is that how you see it? Yeah, I think so. I think so. So you're, gonna, you're actually going to have a, a game where, you know, back, back, in, back in Europe with, with Spain and the Netherlands, which are uh, two in terms of their, their women's football is, is, is very much on the rise. Um, so, and, and talking to those who are going to be able to watch it, you're going to be talking about early risers because the, mm. time, that, the time that fans back in, back in Spain and, and the Netherlands are going to have to get up for this game to, to watch it. I mean, trust me, they will be up, they will be watching it. Um, but it's, um, yeah, it's, not, it's certainly not ideal for those two. Um, but on the plus side, of course, being, being one o'clock on a, on a Friday, as it, as it will be here, it does mean that they are the first of the four quarter finalists to play. 
you then have this this extra chance to not only assess the the, the other teams that are going to be playing, obviously those that you're potentially going to face, but also mm. having that opportunity to, to to rest the legs. And they've had a nice period actually up to up to Friday. They would have had a good rest, um, and they'll and they'll get the chance as well. Whoever obviously wins will get the chance to to really kind of have a, a day or so of, of relaxation before getting their head around a potential semi-final. So actually, I think it's, I think it's, a, good, um, it's, a, it's a good time for these two teams to be playing that, that one o'clock slot on a Friday afternoon. Mm. Um, it might seem a little bit strange, but actually, I think they quite value the opportunity to play at that time. Right, Spain uh, have got uh, an interesting uh, midfield. They've dropped Hermoso back to play midfield in the last role. She's a, basically an out-and-out striker, but it seemed to work for them. And we've talked about no funder uh, donk. So for you, uh, where are the keys to this match all of a sudden between Spain and the Netherlands? Well, obviously, Jorge Vilda, who is the, the Spain coach, he changed his team for that last game in the round of 16. He made some quite notable changes. He changed his goalkeeper. He changed his fullback. He mixed things up a bit. Obviously, you mentioned as well, tactically, he, he, um, he changed things. So it'll be very interesting now, and I can't see him moving away from it, whether he sticks with those bold decisions that he makes. And I think, and I think he will. Spain's absolute key is in midfield with Aitana Bonmati, who we've already seen in this tournament so far, has scored some tremendous goals and she dictates play from the centre of the park and um, is, is a magician, to be honest, with the ball at, at her feet. She really is. Um, so she, she will be absolutely key for Spain because she, if she is ticking, that Netherlands midfield, particularly without Van der Donk, will have, a, will have a trouble trying to shut her down. On the flip side, for the Dutch who are dangerous on the counter-attack, their key player probably, for me, is Lika Martins, who is their forward, who has this capability to, to drop off, drop five, six, seven yards off from the forward line, come into those little pockets of space, pick the ball up, turn and run. And she's quick and she's nimble and she's skillful. And the Spanish team, on occasions at this World Cup, defensively have not looked hugely secure. And we saw them here, actually, against Japan, where they got completely taken apart um, and the defence looked shaky. And Lika Martins is the sort of player that can put fear, I think, into opposing teams' defences. So, for me, those two will be quite interesting to watch. But Matty for Spain and how much she controls that midfield and how much Lika Martins, the Netherlands forward, can, can frighten Spain's defence. Okay, uh, let's uh, look at uh, some of the uh, other matchups as well. Um, seems uh, an age since we saw uh, Japan and Sweden in action, but uh, they're the late game on Friday. Um, and I say late game at 7.30, still at a great time. Um, Japan, uh, a lot of people, you know, in the marketplace over here, they've gone from 35 down to about five bucks. Yeah, and they remind me uh, very much, Japan, of a, of a club team in the sense that they are so well-organized and well-disciplined and they are well-drilled and they are physical and they are quick and they are smart. And there is a lot to admire about Japan. And actually, they're the only nation now left in this competition that have previously won a Women's World Cup because we've seen the United States, we've seen Germany, and of course we've seen Norway because Japan beat them in the last round. All of them are out. So Japan are the only team that have done this before now albeit it was it was a few it was a few years ago but but nevertheless they're going to have to come up against the sweden team who are pretty stubborn 
defensively and having seen off the USA in the last round. And they did ride their luck a little bit and they did need their goalkeeper, Mushevich to make some big saves in that game. But nevertheless, they are always, it seems, there or thereabouts at these Women's World Cup Sweden. Time and time again, they are in the running, in the latter stages. They know how to go deep into, into tournaments. The one thing they haven't done yet is one a Women's World Cup. If they can see off Japan in Auckland on Friday night, then they will think that this could be their year. But I, I think it will mm. be their, their, potentially it could be their toughest game, regardless if they, if they win or not. This, this potentially could be Sweden's toughest game because Japan, for me, looked like a genuine contender in 2023. Oh, we saw a glimpse, uh, albeit um, relatively uh, briefly, of Sam Kerr the other night. Um, I think she added a new dimension just uh, looking um, at when she's 100%, and I mean 100%, she's quick, she's strong up front. It lifted Australia, it lifted their fans. Uh, they were good enough to get up, uh, but now they got France. How do you see that? Well, I mean, on, on Sam Kerr, first of all, she, for, for Australia, it feels like, um, it feels like it's all coming together at exactly the right moment for them. Obviously, they had this really tricky start. They were beaten by Nigeria in the group stage and suddenly everybody thought they were right on the brink. But they've spun that around. They got out of what was a very difficult group and by beating Canada in that last game, that's given the, um, the momentum. They looked pretty secure against Denmark. I have to say in their round of 16, they didn't really look overly troubled. And now with Sam Kerr coming back and we saw her, she got minutes. She's a difference maker. She's so key to that forward line. And she's one that can really startle defences. So, so if she is fit enough to play from the start against France, then I think France will be a little bit worried about that game in Brisbane. The good thing for, for the French so far is that they've had no issues themselves scoring goals. I think they've got 12 already in this tournament across mm. the four games that they've played so far. So even though Australia have come through a difficult group with Nigeria, the Republic of Ireland and Canada, and they've played Denmark, this, this for Australia will be their most, their most tricky test yet. But the momentum feels like it's with them. And having spent the last couple of days in Australia as well, the, the feeling, the swell towards the Matildas at the moment is huge. It's just whether they can carry that momentum with them. Um, yes, uh, you're right, actually, and, and that was France after a nil-all draw, draw with uh, Jamaica in uh, round one, so they've effectively scored uh, 12 goals in their last three outings, so the, mm. the uh, attacking side of things looks to be under control, and then we saw Colombia last night, I thought I found this the hardest game of the lot to watch, to be fair, there was just something too physical or too deliberate about it for me, um, and I think um, uh, rejuvenated England and, you know, uh, an England at full bore, I think, would account for Colombia most days of the week, wouldn't they? I think so. I think so. The one thing that Colombia very much do have in their favour, apart from uh, Linda Caicedo, who is their, their young, prestigious talent, and she is quite a player, is the support they have in Australia is is quite incredible. I saw them um, last night, as, as you did, and that pre-match um, national anthem, I don't think I've heard a, a national anthem, certainly at women's World Cup be as loud as, as that was. So that's a, that's a big factor for Colombia. They are now the lowest ranked team, I think, that are remaining in this tournament. That, that, that game against Jamaica last night, I can understand why it played out in the way it did, because you would have had two teams who were slightly nervous, 
know that they're on the brink of making their own piece of history. So it always felt to me like it was going to be relatively tight. I don't think Columbia will be able to play that same way against England. And for England, of course, massive scare against Nigeria. Very lucky to get through. Um, they will now feel that, I mean, they, ha- they absolutely have to look at that game that from, from that Nigeria game and think we cannot, we simply cannot have another 90 minutes or as it was 120 minutes where we're playing like that. Because if they do, somebody will see them off. So they have to use that, I think, England as their warning sign. They'll only get one of them and they have to use that as their, their that was their alarm. And now they have to settle themselves down because they are in a prime position, England, to get to a World Cup final, considering some of the bigger nations that are no longer here. Chris Wise, it's been brilliant to listen to you um, in your capacity as a commentator, and and it's even been better that you've made yourself available a a couple of times for us on a personal note. Uh, uh, All the very best uh, for that call against uh, Spain, uh, with Spain against the Netherlands. Uh, So looking forward to that, and for all the fine work you've uh, done whilst you've been down under. Uh, All the very best, and thank you. Thanks, Smithy. Thank you very much, and, and take care and enjoy the rest of the tournament yourself as well.